0: Section twenty four of the House Behind the Cedars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The House Behind the Cedars by Charles W. Chestnut. Section twenty four. Swing Your Partners. Moved by tenderness and thoughts of self-sacrifice which had occupied his mind to the momentary exclusion of all else, Tryon had scarcely noticed, as he approached the house behind the cedars, a strain of lively music, to which was added, as he drew still nearer, the accompaniment of other festive sounds. He suddenly awoke, however, to the fact that these signs of merriment came from the house at which he had intended to stop he had not meant that rena should pass another sleepless night of sorrow or that he should himself endure another needless hour of suspense he drew rein at the corner shocked surprise a nascent anger a vague alarm an insistent curiosity urged him nearer turning the mare into the side street and keeping close to the fence he drove ahead in the shadow of the cedars until he reached a gap "'through which he could see into the open door and windows "'of the brightly lighted hall. "'There was evidently a ball in progress. "'The fiddle was squeaking merrily to a tune that he remembered well. "'It was associated with one of the most delightful evenings of his life, "'that of the tournament ball. "'A mellow negro voice was calling, with a rhyming accompaniment, "'the figures of a quadrille.' Trion, with parted lips and slowly hardening heart, leaned forward from the buggy seat, gripping the reins so tightly that his nails cut into the opposing palm. Above the clatter of noisy conversation rose the fiddler's voice: "Swing yo partners, don't be shy. Look yo lady in de eye. Throw yo arm around her waist. Take yo time. Dey ain't no haste." To the middle of the floor, in full view through an open window, advanced the woman who all day long had been the burden of his thoughts, not pale with grief and hollow-eyed with weeping, but flushed with pleasure. Around her waist the arm of a burly, grinning mulatto whose face was offensively familiar to Trion. With a muttered curse of concentrated bitterness, Trion struck the mare a sharp blow with the whip. The sensitive creature, spirited even in her great weariness, resented the lash, and started off with the bit in her teeth. Perceiving that it would be difficult to turn in the narrow roadway without running into the ditch at the left, Trion gave the mare rein, and dashed down the street, scarcely missing, as the buggy crossed the bridge, a man standing abstractedly by the old canal, who sprang aside barely in time to avoid being run over. Meantime, Rena was passing through a trying ordeal. After the first few bars, the fiddler plunged into a well-known air, in which Rena, keenly susceptible to musical impressions, recognized the tune to which, as Queen of Love and Beauty, she had opened the dance at her entrance into the world of life and love, for it was there she had met George Trion. The combination of music and movement brought up the scene with great distinctness tryon peering angrily through the cedars had not been more conscious than she of the external contrast between her partners on this and the former occasion she perceived too as tryon from the outside had not the difference between wayne's wordy flattery only saved by his cousin's warning from pointed and fulsome adulation and the tenderly graceful compliment couched in the romantic terms of chivalry with which the knight of the handkerchief had charmed her ear. It was only by an immense effort that she was able to keep her emotions under control, until the end of the dance, when she fled to her chamber and burst into tears. It was not the cruel Tryon who had blasted her love with his deadly look that she mourned, but the gallant young knight who had won her favour on his lance and crowned her queen of love and beauty. Trion's stay in Patesville was very brief. He drove to the hotel and put up for the night. During many sleepless hours his mind was in a turmoil with a very different set of thoughts from those which had occupied it on the way to town. Not the least of them was a profound self-contempt for his own lack of discernment. How had he been so blind as not to have read long ago the character of this wretched girl who had bewitched him? tonight his eyes had been opened he had seen her with a mask thrown off a true daughter of a race in which the sensuous enjoyment of the moment took precedence of taste or sentiment or any of the higher emotions her few months of boarding-school her brief association with white people had evidently been a mere veneer over the underlying negro and their effects had slipped away as soon as the intercourse had ceased with the monkey-like imitativeness of the negro she had copied the manners of white people while she lived among them and had dropped them with equal facility when they ceased to serve a purpose who but a negro could have recovered so soon from what had seemed a terrible bereavement she herself must have felt it at the time for otherwise she would not have swooned a woman of sensibility as this one had seemed to be should naturally feel more keenly and for a longer time than a man an injury to the affections but he a son of the ruling race had been miserable for six weeks about a girl who had so far forgotten him as already to plunge headlong into the childish amusements of her own ignorant and degraded people what more indeed he asked himself savagely what more could be expected of the base-born child of the plaything of a gentleman's idle hour who, to this ignoble origin, added the blood of a servile race. And he, George Trion, had honoured her with his love. He had very nearly linked his fate and joined his blood to hers by the solemn sanctions of church and state. Tryon was not a devout man, but he thanked God with religious fervour that he had been saved a second time from a mistake which would have wrecked his whole future if he had yielded to the momentary weakness of the past night the outcome of a sickly sentimentality to which he recognized now in the light of reflection that he was entirely too prone he would have regretted it soon enough the black streak would have been sure to come out in some form sooner or later if not in the wife then in her children he saw clearly enough in this hour of revulsion that with his temperament and training such a union could never have been happy. If all the world had been ignorant of the dark secret, it would always have been in his own thoughts, or at least never far away. Each fault of hers that the close daily association of husband and wife might reveal, the most flawless of sweethearts do not pass scatheless through the long test of matrimony. Every wayward impulse of his children, every defect of mind, morals, temper, or health, would have been ascribed to the dark ancestral strain happiness under such conditions would have been impossible when tryon lay awake in the early morning after a few brief hours of sleep the business which had brought him to Patesville seemed in the cold light of reason so ridiculously inadequate that he felt almost ashamed to have set up such a pretext for his journey the prospect too of meeting dr green and his family of having to explain his former sudden departure and of running a gauntlet of inquiry concerning his marriage to the aristocratic miss warwick of south carolina the fear that some one at patesville might have suspected a connection between rena's swoon and his own flight these considerations so moved this impressionable and impulsive young man that he called a bell-boy demanded an early breakfast ordered his horse paid his reckoning and started upon his homeward journey forthwith. A certain distrust of his own sensibility, which he felt to be curiously inconsistent with his most positive convictions, led him to seek the river bridge by a roundabout route which did not take him past the house where, a few hours before, he had seen the last fragment of his idol shattered beyond the hope of repair. The party broke up at an early hour, since most of the guests were working people, And the travelers were to make an early start next day. About nine in the morning, Wayne drove round to Miss Molly's. Rena's trunk was strapped behind the buggy, and she set out, in the company of Wayne, for her new field of labor. The school term was only two months in length, and she did not expect to return until its expiration. Just before taking her seat in the buggy, Rena felt a sudden sinking of the heart. Oh, mother, she whispered as they stood wrapped in a close embrace i'm afraid to leave you i left you once and it turned out so miserably it'll turn out better this time honey replied her mother soothingly good child take care of yourself and your money and write to your mammy one kiss all round and rena was lifted into the buggy wayne seized the reins and under his skillful touch the pretty mare began to prance and curvet with restrained impatience wayne could not resist the opportunity to show off before the party which included mary b s entire family and several other neighbors who had gathered to see the travelers off good to patesville good-bye folks all he cried with a wave of his disengaged hand good mother good-bye all cried rena as with tears in her heart and a brave smile on her face she left her home behind her for the second time when they had crossed the river bridge the travellers came to a long stretch of rising ground from the summit of which they could look back over the white sandy road for nearly a mile neither rena nor her companion saw frank fowler behind the chinkapen bush at the foot of the hill nor the gaze of mute love and longing with which he watched the buggy mount the long incline. He had not been able to trust himself to bid her farewell. He had seen her go away once before with every prospect of happiness and come back, a dove with a wounded wing, to the old nest behind the cedars. She was going away again with a man whom he disliked and distrusted. If she had met misfortune before, what were her prospects for happiness now? The buggy paused at the top of the hill, and Frank, shading his eyes with his hand, thought he could see her turn and look behind. Look back, dear child, towards your home and those who love you. For who knows more than this faithful worshipper what threads of the past fate is weaving into your future, or whether happiness or misery lies before you? End of section 24